and welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. I'm David Bax. Tyler Smith is on his long-term uh, assignment of getting better. Um, you can follow him on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, he is able to tweet and post now. Um, and uh, you can you can find out what's going on with him there. Uh, but um, we do have someone else here, and we'll get to that in, in a second. But first, I really got to tell you guys about tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great i use them each and every day of my life today in fact i was using them to listen to a new album by a death metal band called outer heaven the album is called uh infinite psychic depths and i'm calling it right now uh it's the best pure death metal album of the year so far um so check out Outer Heaven. Sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you go to, uh, sorry, if you used if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, we're back. And anyone who remembers what we did two weeks ago on the podcast can probably guess what we're doing today. We're going to be wrapping up San Diego Comic-Con 2023. And once again, we're doing it with our friend Ryan Gallagher from the Criterion cast. Welcome back, Ryan. Thanks, David. It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. It was good to see you uh, in, in, in San Diego uh, uh, a bunch of times. We had uh, uh, dinner and, and, and drinks. It was, it was great. It was great. It was a good, it was a good Comic-Con. It was, yeah. it was definitely, it definitely felt weird as we were anticipating. Uh, it was definitely different with, you know, all of the canceled panels and everything. But I yeah. think, I think I, I mean, I obviously miss all of our friends who would come down and, you know, but that was, that. I don't think it's the, this year thing that was already going away. You're right. It totally was. It, and, it, and I think what I was going to say was, cause yeah, I, yeah, let's get into it. Shall we, uh, <laughs> just general thoughts. Uh, and I was going to say, I predicted it would be a weird year. I would say for me personally, it was less weird than I expected. I think because I have over the past, uh, you know, almost decade, like sort of wean myself off the big panels anyway, and stuck to smaller panels and outside stuff and activations and friends and stuff like that. And so I kind of just did what I was going to do anyway. Totally. You're right. Uh, and I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm probably in that same boat too. Uh, but it was weird. I guess it was weird because everyone who who wasn't at comic-con in my family that was asking me about it was like oh is it is there no one there is it is it dead yes. and i yep, was like yep. no it's like way more crowded everywhere yeah. you go because of all the canceled panels the floor was insane every single day 
yeah. it was those are twice the whole weekend that's it all of the panels that i wanted to go maybe not all but so many of the panels that i wanted to go to were completely full they had lines wrapping around them like i couldn't get into you know the studio ghibli one was just in like this tiny room and it was yeah. a, a line wrapped around uh the upper floors it was it was wild yeah i had one i couldn't get into too we'll get into it well we'll, we'll get into that later um but i guess let's just go uh, chronologically um Wednesday night is, is, is preview night at, at Comic-Con. Um, did you do anything fun on preview night? Uh, I dragged my kid with me and we, <laughs> uh, we had fun walking around for a little bit and didn't do too much. Uh, but you know, it was, it was a fine preview night, I guess it was like, it wasn't any different than any of the other ones. I never, yeah. I, I very rarely even know what exclusives are going to be there to be excited about. And so I don't oh, really okay. end up, I mean, sometimes I do sometimes if I follow that company, like NECA or Mondo and stuff, and I'll see like, yeah. Oh, they, they have a cool thing for preview night, but really uh, I just kind of wandered around for a couple hours and then we got sick of it and left. Cause it was just, it's just too crowded to walk around the floor. Uh, yeah. I do make a list of, of, of things to buy and generally in, in years past, I have gotten to all of them. I, you talked about the, the show floor being more busy this year. Um, every time I tried to go to Mondo, it was just too big a line. So I didn't end up buying um, anything from Mondo, which they had a couple of, uh, I mean, it saved me almost a hundred bucks. So I guess that's good. But yeah. they had a couple of um, on Michael Giacchino records on vinyl. Yeah, one they had, totally. they had like Bat- his score for the Batman and they had like a, his own music, uh, uh-huh. a, a record of his own music that uh, I really had wanted to pick up both of those, uh, but I couldn't get in uh, or I, I just couldn't bear waiting that long. Um, especially, I know this is a dumb complaint and Terrence and I had the same complaint last year, but second year in a row, no carpets in the, uh, in, in the exhibit hall. It makes standing around in a line weirdly harder. It's harder on your feet, you know? It used to always be carpeted the whole, the whole thing. I um, didn't even, I, I didn't even realize that, but you're, you're yeah. right. And it, yeah, second it, year in a row. that's weird. Yeah. Maybe I would have been more willing to stand around and wait for, uh, Mondo <laughs> exclusives on carpet. But, uh, do you yeah. think, do you think that's like a COVID thing or is that just like a, like a save well, money thing? It's, I think it's probably a little bit of both, or I think maybe it was a COVID thing last year. But also it was probably a save money thing last year because they lost out on two years of revenue. Yeah. Um, or whatever you call it for a nonprofit. Um, and so I guess last year I kind of thought like, okay, they're doing this because of COVID or to save money or both. And I kind of just assumed it would be back this year. And when they announced beforehand that there was going to be no carpet. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's uh, it's a bummer, but I also know, you know, just to, be all inclusive i know for people who use wheelchairs and stuff it's actually easier yeah um and some of the big booths have their own carpet um which which is fine um i real quick before i went into what go into what i did buy uh which none of which is movie related uh, unfortunately because <laughs> i didn't go to mondo um you mentioned bringing your daughter along and i'm gonna repeat something that i said to you like i ran on friday i ran into you and your daughter and like it's such a cliched thing for grown-ups like us to be like oh my god they've gotten so big like of course that's what kids do but like the last time when my wife and i were in portland in 2018 so five years ago was the last time i had seen her 
and like yeah when i saw you guys like stand up at the leonard Moulton panel together to leave and i was like oh my god like she's so big but i'm like that's so dumb like of course yeah. that's what happens no they are i mean it's it's been fun to see them grow up over the course of the comic-con uh since yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the past 12 years now um it was cool yeah. i mean for me this 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 moment was cool uh because of what it means to me it was less cool for them but like i uh <laughs> i was i was 12 my first comic-con that was like oh, so man. this so miranda is now uh going to comic-con at the same age that i was when i first went so you know yeah. even though miranda has gone to comic-con every year <laughs> since they were born basically uh yeah. so anyway um Anyway, so as far as what I picked up, so yeah, I didn't go to Mondo. So I got a gift for my uh, nephew. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can t- <laughs> say what it is. Uh, yesterday's had a limited edition uh, Misfits t-shirt that's like, uh, it sort of is a looks like the cover of like an EC Comics like horror thing. Um, and uh, so I bought that and it comes with a little collectible card that says like what number it is. It's like... I think they made like 350 of them and I got him like number 163 or something like that. Uh, so that's cool. I bought, um, God, now I can't remember the name of the booth. Cause there are so many, like, obviously there we we're talking about big names, you know, like Mondo and stuff like that. But there's also just like a lot of creators who have their own booths, people who create comics and people who create, uh, books and all sorts of other stuff. And, um, I went to this one booth. I can't remember the name of it. And I got Natalie a present, um, it's a very comfortable sweatshirt, um, that, uh, says it has the word records and it has a little cartoon of a dog, like holding records and like listening to records. Uh, it's very, it's very Natalie and, uh, she loved it. And the people at the booth were like, Oh my God, we like, this was Wednesday night. They were like, Oh my God, we thought we brought enough for the whole week, but we might sell out of these tonight. And sure enough, I saw one the next day <laughs> on somebody else, uh, and then I went, there was another, like an even smaller booth over in like artist alley. There was this guy who, cause you know, I'm, uh, I, I refer to myself as an Angelino now. I know I'm like a St. Louis in terms of I'm St. Louis born, but this year, 2023 is marks the year that I will have lived in Los Angeles longer than I lived in mm. Missouri. So I feel like an Angelino now. And there's a guy who, ha- who made a book that was like, like famous cryptids but in famous places in los angeles mm. uh so that's cool and i got a bumper sticker that is the mothman saying don't take the 405 which is <laughs> very los angeles and 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 cool i'm not really a guy but, uh, i like this one and uh, i also have a newish car so it'll uh, and i keep forgetting what it looks like so it'll help me find my car in the parking lot the mothman so uh yeah and that's all i did and then i had um uh, dinner and drinks with uh our friend matt patterson and that was all that was my entire uh Wednesday night. So should we move on to Thursday? Yeah, let's do it. Um so I I there's I I foolishly thought that um Hall H would be easy to get into because of the lack of people, but there's still I I didn't get into the the Paramount panel, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles panel there were like i thought i thought i'd be able to walk right in i didn't line up or anything i just got there and be like was like i'll be able to walk right into this no there was a line all the way over to the indigo ballroom or all the way over to the hilton bayfront for something later i don't even know what yeah well i mean the big thing now is 
I, I, like there are video game panels uh, in in Hall H and stuff. Like I think that the video game people aren't on strike, so I think we're there to like see. I know there's a Spider-Man Two video game. Yeah, you're like, right. I did see a lot of people posting about that, uh, and, there, and there were like uh, there was a wrap. You know, the buildings are all wrapped up for different things, and a, a lot of them are usually movies and TV shows. TV shows more more so than movies, but there are also some like video game building wraps, and I definitely saw a Spider-Man one of those. Uh, so that might have been what it was. Anyway, I didn't I didn't get in. Um, but that left me time to do other stuff. What did you, what did you, we, we ended up running into each other at a panel that was at four thirty. So what did you do prior to that? You know, I'm, I'm going back through my schedule and I, I actually didn't end up in any of the, uh, I kind of just wandered around a little bit before yeah. those, um, before that talk to me panel and then the chasing, chasing Amy one over in, in the Indigo yeah. ballroom. All um, right. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. Because I want to say what I did. Yeah. Um, again, not really movie related stuff, but there aren't wasn't a lot of movie related stuff. Uh, the beer brand Voodoo Ranger for the second year in a row uh, turned a an old like schooner, which they turn into a pirate ship. They hold they, they hoist a big like sail and flag that has the Voodoo Ranger logo. Uh, they turn it into a bar. Essentially, you have to wait in line to get on, but it's first come first serve. So I waited a little bit, um, won a free sticker, and. Um, yeah, got on a boat and had a couple of Voodoo Ranger beers on a boat. And then I walked a long way into the gas lamp to, um, okay, so a network called Cozy TV, I guess they have the rights to Roseanne reruns now, and they're <laughs> making a big deal out of it. They turned the parking lot into Lanford Day's Fair, where like there were all these like, carnival type games you know like ring toss and 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 stuff like that and they all had had different uh funny names i'm, I'm gonna try and see if i can uh um find the pictures that i took that say what the funny names are so um uh, uh pop roseanne's ring toss uh what else uh dj's dunk tank uh Beverly's laundry toss. You throw some laundry in a basket, I guess. But then at the back of that, they had the Lanford lunchbox where I sat down and had a free loose meat sandwich. I'm not sure how big a fan of Roseanne, uh, the sitcom, not the person. Nobody's <laughs> a fan of Roseanne, the person anymore. Um, uh, but um, yeah, so I sat down and had a free uh, loose meat sandwich and they had a, uh, they had a huge recreation of the Roseanne couch that you could take a picture on, but I was like alone. So I'm not going to like sit on a couch alone and say like, will you take my picture? Um, <laughs> but then they also had the Lanford playhouse where they actually actually had like a musician, like the singer songwriter, like type musician playing guitar. It was like, they went all out for this thing. And like, it was so far for, it was like sixth and E like way up <laughs> uh, into the gas lamp. I don't even know if that's still considered a gas lamp. Uh, and there weren't that many people there cause it didn't have a great sort of stumble upon type of factor being that far away but they went all out and it was cool or maybe people were staying away because of the bad association with roseanne herself which i totally understand i would not blame anyone uh <laughs> i mean even my wife like she and i both have loved watching roseanne reruns in the past and she's kind of said like i think i'm done at least for a good while of like watching that which i i understand but um that show has uh, a very dear place in my heart um 
So those were the things that I did before actually going to a panel on Thursday where, yeah, I ran into you at a 24s talk to me panel. Yeah. You know, I guess real quick before we get into that, I did find, I did realize what I went to before that. So there were two panels that there were two animation related panels before that a 24 one. And one of them was actually awesome. And it it was uh, this panel that had um, Jerry Beck, the animation historian, but also like mm-hmm. Don Hahn, um, who's written like tons of books on animation. Leonard Malton was there. Yeah. Um, Jenny LaRue, who's written some other um, and like art of animation books. And she's uh, uh, a story artist, um, but also this, the author um, Mindy Johnson, who wrote this book, Ink and Paint, about uh, the, like wi- uh, women of Disney's animation, like in the early days. Um, and she got to talking about, I just was looking, looking this up right now because I couldn't remember the name of the animator, but she's writing a book now um, that's coming out in 2024. And she's in, the, she's in the middle of writing it. So I don't know if this date is gonna stick, but um, it's a book about this uh, woman, film director animation film director uh bessie may kelly who was around i think in like the teens and the 20s now i'm gonna have to like look her up but um it was just it, it was fun to hear it so it was them it was the the panel talking basically about like the process of writing books about animation history um and just how long those how long it takes to write these things and how you just stumble upon you know someone who is related to the person that you're writing about and suddenly they like bring out this trove of old drawings or things that have been kind of sitting in the family uh you know in the attic for years and no one realized that this person you know bessie may kelly was like basically lost to history until like they started digging around and finding the stuff. And so um, that was actually a really awesome panel. The one that was like right after it in the same room was about um, people in from San Diego who had gone on to uh, get career, or, you know, have careers in the animation industry. And so some of them have gone on to work with like Disney and, um, and it was just fun to hear them, you know, it was like all these guys who had basically grown up in San Diego, drew all through high school and, you know, was were like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, big nerds and then went on to actually get jobs in animation. So it was kind of, you know, inspiring and it was fun to have, you know, yeah. a, a room full of, uh, of people who presumably all were kind of uh, either had those dreams or were excited you know for them and so it was like it was kind of a good feel good heartwarming panel uh to start the day with uh okay so talk to me uh there's a new a24 movie that i didn't see at sundance uh we talked about this two weeks ago i don't need to go into that um the i don't remember the name of the moderator um it was like bucky something i think um he seemed to know the guys and they seemed to know him. They seemed like they were all YouTubers. I think okay, that makes sense. I, Cause that's where the, the, the directors have talked to me. Who's, uh, Filippo. What's their, their brothers. I can't remember their last name. Yeah. Um, they were there and, um, the cast was not there even though. So the cast being entirely Australian, none of them are in, none of them is in SAG, but apparently they decided not to promote the movie during the strike in the U S sort of in solidarity with the striking yeah. uh, SAG actors. So it was just the, uh, yeah, Danny and Michael Philippou. 
Uh, Although I, I think like um, I, I I don't remember if they brought this up during the panel, but A twenty four has made an arrangement with SAG yeah. right? as far as like I don't know. yeah was that the case then have they already made it? Uh, that's a good question I don't yeah, know I if that, if, it had, if that was like a late breaking thing but I mean I have seen a lot of people posting you know shots of like oh A twenty four has made a deal and you know if A twenty four can do it like why can't these other studios yeah A twenty four agreed to what the uh, the actors wanted and so there you can you can work on a24 products uh yeah. projects um i almost said i said products oh i'm not <laughs> referring to movies as products it's art anyway um anyway i thought it was a good uh, uh a really good panel we got some good um it was fun uh, to hear them talk they were really charismatic guys like and it was yeah. uh you know they they seemed very excited to be there they seemed very excited to just be talking about the movie and mm-hmm. Uh, I only, I've only know about it, you know, only what I've seen in the trailer, basically. I don't, I, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I, it's, it's, it was a fun, like, it it got me more excited definitely to see it. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, they were, they were, uh, uh, really entertaining. There was also, um, their accents are very thick and like the, the way that, um, you know, it's in a big, it, this is an indigo ballroom, which is the third biggest room. It's not like the best acoustics. So, um, some, there were times that I'm like, not entirely sure what they're talking about. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, they said, I'm, I'm trying to remember if they told any good stories. They, they, they mentioned, well, they mentioned one that like, uh, they had to fight to cast the lead in the movie, um, which we'll get to later. Having seen the movie, that's insane. But uh, but there was also a really great story that, again, maybe you understood more of because I like I couldn't always catch what they were saying. But like one of them worked on the Babadook or was an intern on the Babadook. That's uh, that's a good question because I when when I was as I was quickly googling them uh, during the panel, like the Babadook kept coming up, and I wasn't sure exactly what their relationship with that so was. I think one of them was like an intern had an internship on the Babadook, and one of his jobs was to pick up Essie Davis, the star of the Babadook, on the way to the set, and he would bring his brother along with him to just hang out on set, and then like the producers were like hey you can't bring your brother to set and also you can't just have your brother in the car when you're picking up the star of the movie <laughs> so then he snuck his brother on the set in the back seat of the car which was like a hatchback he like hid under like some blankets and hid from Essie davis too like Essie davis is in the car not knowing the other brother was like hiding in the back seat to to sneak onto set and that was part of their i guess learning um uh, about film they had so, some good uh, stories. They had some good stories about, uh, you know, what they had to cut for the movie, like trimming down some of the like more graphic, intense stuff that wouldn't make it past the censors. And so they were saying, like, well, we had to, tr- we trimmed it down to like, you know, or because it was too intense for, you know, yeah. for as long as it was. And they talked a lot about like, you know, oh, uh, you know, maybe there will be like that. This is like their their cut. Like they're happy with the final cut of this movie. Yeah. But that there were lots of things that they had to trim out that maybe would make it into like you know <laughs> some kind of home video release eventually. Yeah, they, 
they did talk well they talked a lot about working together as brothers and like there was a funny story about them like not wanting to argue with each other in front of like the cast and crew so on set they would like text each other like stop fucking contradicting me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in editing they talked about mo- more than multiple times they would have um different ideas about how to cut together a scene and they would then eat make their own cut of a scene and show it to a few like trusted friends in, in the industry who would inevitably say like these two are, are like exactly the same <laughs> but they would be like <laughs> arguing over the ma- over a, a matter of like three frames here and there um yeah it was it was a fun panel um uh only to be maybe even outdone by the next panel which was the chasing chasing amy panel um there's a a documentary come out does does not yet have distribution i think it's just playing festivals it's called chasing chasing amy and it's about um it's about the film chasing amy and its contentious relationship or the sort of queer community's contentious relationship with it but it also is a personal story about one queer person in particular um who um discovered the movie um well so i think i think he or the when kevin smith brought the director out he said they the director's girlfriend called him he and him yeah i think i I think i think he uses he him pronouns yeah um his name's sav rogers and and he um uh uh, as a young queer person living in small town Kansas, like found the movie like incredibly inspirational and did a whole TED talk about it. And then that led to him making this documentary about it with Kevin Smith's um, cooperation. But I say cooperation, like I don't want it. Like sometimes when you see a biopic, like, Oh, King Richard, which I didn't like just picking a, re- a, re- a somewhat recent one. Like you can tell when like, Oh, the family of the person being like, whose story is being told clearly had approval here. I, they didn't show us the movie. They just sort of clipped from the movie, but based on Kevin Smith as moderator, his, the way he talked about it, this wasn't something that he was like protective over. It seemed like he, it it seemed like he really wanted to learn from Sav and learn from the community. Um, and, and, uh, I would say this, this panel made me really eager to see the movie and also made me like, because I, I don't I don't remember the last time I saw Kevin Smith moderate a panel. It's been a long time. Well, that's not true. In person, it's been a long time. He moderated the Bill and Ted Face the Music panel during the uh, Comic-Con at home 2020, right? That would have been. Yeah. Um, but just seeing him and, and seeing his humility um, and his kindness as he talked to... Um, these these people sav the director his his uh partner uh riley and then they also had a critic from the hollywood reporter whose name i am forgetting um but uh kevin smith just came off as like a really great gracious kind decent person yeah and so did sav the director and certainly have long understood what the problems are that the queer community would have with chasing Amy. It's like a white male cis had white male fantasy of like converting a lesbian. That's like super problematic. Sure. Uh, I totally get it. But like something spoke to this Sav person and clearly he and Kevin Smith are, are kindred spirits in, in being just like, uh, uh, 
uh, beacons of positivity. Totally. I, I think this may be my favorite panel uh, of all of Comic-Con this year. It was, it was really amazing. Like you're saying, seeing Kevin Smith up there, I also don't remember the last time I actually watched him moderate something where I, I was like into it. Um, but I, I thought he just, he is so charming and just, and like you're saying, very humble and like gracious about the fact that they were making this documentary about his movie. Um, but still funny and like poking fun at them and they were poking fun at him. And I thought they just did such a great job of, of really selling this movie that uh, I didn't know anything about and without spoiling it, I feel like they, they managed to like talk yeah. about the movie without really giving, I feel like they talked about how there were like twists or, ele- or, or like a, you know, a journey that the director and his wife go through in the movie, yeah. but they like really didn't spoil anything. Like they showed a trailer and I feel like I still don't know how that movie's going to end, even though like I know where they are right now in their life. I feel like, Oh, this, this movie yeah, is they're gonna- together. But like <laughs> what happens, what happens in the movie? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it- yeah, I mean, it seems like my kind of documentary where it wasn't completely like it might have been blueprinted going in, but they clearly just like followed what the story yeah. became because apparently it becomes a lot about Sav and Riley, this this couple. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm super uh, stoked to see it. They did a brief. They talked so much that it was only a very brief Q and A, which is good because like yeah. the Q and A is all usually my least favorite part of most panels. Um, uh, but. Don't worry, we had a classic uh, Comic-Con Q&A where a person didn't really have a question, just asked Kevin Smith to be on his podcast. <laughs> and Kevin Smith said yes. Yeah, he was, <laughs> was so awesome. he was so nice about it. And, you yeah. know, those, those moments could really turn into something awkward or, like, mean. And uh, he, he just knows how to handle that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but I think the... They, they had one of my favorite parts of the panel too was the like how so many of the stories about um the director and his wife meeting or like um the basically talking about tumblr and talking about like the tumblr uh (laughs) folks who like the the that's like that's how they met and you know like i like Kevin Smith was really confused about like, how do you even meet people on Tumblr? I had that same reaction. I was thinking like, wait, I've, I've used Tumblr, but I don't really understand how you would meet a partner uh, on that in that. And, but you know, they did, they did such a great job of describing it yeah. and kind of talking about the community. And um, it was, it was really, really heartwarming. I feel like it was like, you know, I think it was the last thing that I saw that day and it, or maybe no, actually there, there was more that I went to see, but it felt like it was a good start to Comic-Con like this, this day of like, you know, the animation stuff, the A24 panel, and then this one, I feel like, oh yeah, this is going to be a great year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what did you do next? Cause this well, was, my, I, was my last panel, panel of the day. I went to the uh, worst cartoons ever the Jerry Beck panel. Um, usually it's on like a Friday night, around when the sick and twisted spike and Mike's sick and twisted uh goes on and so i don't not exactly entirely sure why it wasn't this year someone actually in the panel uh towards the end during the q a asked jerry beck why he wasn't with like you know neck like uh showing with spike and mike and 
it was a it was kind of an awkward question or it was kind of an awkward response because i don't know if jerry understood what was being asked like because it seemed like the guy was like you know it's weird that you're 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 with them every year except for this one and now you're on a thursday night and he he just kind of gave this weird non-answer and he like didn't he seemed like he didn't even know if spike and mike sick and twisted was even happening uh, or like, and he was like, oh, maybe wow. they're just not here this year, even though they were going to be there yeah. the next day. Uh, it was, it was a weird, uh, it was a weird Q and a, but you know, it was a fun panel. He, he presents it more like early this type of time. He presented it more, almost like a PowerPoint presentation of like, here's a few, here's, here's, you know, the, the series of things and, uh, or, you know, all these bad sixties, fifties and sixties animation with, you know, like poorly animated on a super low budget kind of stuff, but things that were like, you know, things that he's shown before, but I, I, I made it through the whole thing and it was fun. I had a good time. Um, well, yeah, like I said, that was my last, did you do anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I okay. Think I so I went, this is going to sound like a totally complaining or humble bragging or not <laughs> humble bragging, like complaining. Um, uh, uh, I went to, there was a Junji Ito art gallery reception that I w- went to go to. And I guess they over confirmed and I wasn't there early enough. So even despite the fact that I was invited and had RSCP'd, I got turned away along with a whole bunch of other people. So I didn't make it into the reception. Um, but weirdly, uh, because I was like, well, I'll go over to the um, go over to Seaport Village and have some dinner instead. I ended up running into a friend that I didn't even know was at Comic-Con and we hung out the next night. So that's so everything worked out. Uh, but then that night I went to a 24 did a screening of Talk to Me. So I saw Talk to Me. Um, it is a bummer that. Uh, there are no more like movie theaters in the gas lamp that I had to like, I guess they had shuttles, but I just took a lift out to mission Valley to the AMC um, in, in mission Valley. uh, And the screening was packed. They gave us free popcorn and soda, which was great. Um, The movie was a ton of fun to see with a crowd. It's, it's really good. It's really scary. Um, And then they shuttled us to a party afterwards, uh, which was in, they had like, it wasn't like at like a bar or restaurant. There was a whole, like they took over a building in like this weird industrial park in the middle of like nowhere, like no streetlights on it. It was like creepy. And they like, they pull up and like someone behind us, like looked around and was like, Oh, the experience continues. And this girl, like, sitting next to me like legitimately started like having a freak out she was like no they can't do that that movie was so scary i can't do any more of it like she was legitimately freaking out and they, it wasn't oh the, we'll get to it later so yeah you go in and they had like free food free drinks with um some like uh um sorry sorry but, yeah uh, hey, wait let me turn let me shut this off uh so they had some like themed cocktails with names. I'm trying to remember what they, there was like the things that you probably won't get if you don't know the movie, but I, I drank a couple of uh, uh, tequila co- cocktails called 90 seconds. Cause 90 seconds is a big part of the, the, the movie. Um, and then I didn't do this, but they had a little like room you could go in that was like um, two way glass. So there were, there were people the whole night, just like watching people do this. But when you were inside, you couldn't see it. You just sit at a chair and they have, so the, the 
loose general premise of talk to me is that there's a hand it's sort of like a severed hand that's been cast in plaster and if you hold it and say talk to me you like see a dead person and it becomes like a party game um among these australian kids uh and so you could go in sit down they'd like leave you alone shut the door behind you right and you grab the hand and say, talk to me. And then the lights flicker and go dark. And then they come back up. There's like a, a guy dressed as like a dead person, like in your <laughs> face. And they did it to so many people. And even like people watching it, knowing what was going to happen, um, uh, they would still freak out. It was fun to watch all night. But I ran into a couple friends of the podcast and and um, uh, Amy Nicholson was there and Perry, Perry Nemiroff from, from Collider was there because she does Comic-Con. She's like, we talked about, you You were talked about earlier how all our like movie blogger friends and stuff used to always be at Comic-Con. Perry's still a lifer, still there every year. Uh, so I ran into Perry and then I said, Perry did the thing, went in to do the thing and being, being the well-heeled uh, horror hound that she is, when the dead guy jumped out at her, she just laughed at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome so, that was fun but that like like the movie started at 10 by the time we got to um the party it was like well after midnight i think i was there till almost two um so it was a late night for me which is why i on friday got a little bit of a later start than i had intended to um so we can get into friday um and yeah, I'll just start by saying I didn't go to um, the animation show of shows, which I had really looked forward to. I really planned on going to the animation show of shows. I like the idea of just, you know, I saw a movie the night before. I like the idea of like getting to not just see panels about stuff, but actually see art at, at Comic-Con. Um, but uh, it was at 1030 in the morning and having been up drinking until 2 a.m., I was I did not make it. Uh, what did you do early on Friday? Uh, I, you know, Friday was a, a, a pretty slim day for me. I only ended up, we got there kind of late. And so I, I didn't end up doing anything until the three o'clock Popeye panel. Um, and then went to the Leonard Malton panel after that. But that like, that was the entirety of my Friday. Yeah. Um, I missed a bunch in the morning also. Um, but I think overall, uh, I think I'm, I was happy with the two panels that we made it to. Those were the two panels that I dragged Miranda to that I, yeah, I, I that was, uh, you know, it was, it was quite an experience yeah. for them to like be in, uh, you know, see these two panels of like, for like the, the, the super nerd, uh, or super movie yeah. animation nerd, uh, <laughs> crowd. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess I, well, I guess I technically did make it to two panels but one was just a panel. I, I wanted to go to the Leonard Maltin panel. And so I went early and sat through um, a panel on like uh, how to become a comic book retailer. So that was fun to hear stories of people who have started uh, comic book shops all over the, all over the country. And, um, and they talked, cause I, I'd, I'd seen something like this before, but uh, a big change that happened over the past few years if you're a comics person um is that so the default comic books distributor for years and years and years has been diamond yeah. uh, this company called diamond and they still do a lot of stuff but dc a couple years ago three years ago um stopped doing business with diamond and just became their own distributor 
and um uh and and um there's become some other so it's become more uh splintered so the, there was that was an interesting like new development of being comic re- book retailers that used to be that you could kind of if you just wanted to sell comic books you could kind of get by just having an account with diamond and getting all your comic books through diamond and now you have to have you know at least three different accounts with different distributors and then if you carry like more uh uh trades that's another account if you carry books like you know non-comic books that's another account so that was a big that was interesting to hear them talk about uh but it's not why i was there i was there to see leonard malton be told that he was wrong because it's a panel they do every year um in which uh leonard malton's daughter uh jesse right that sounds right um yeah, moderates uh, the panel. Leonard Mullen is just sitting at a table. And I said, this is the exception to me not liking Q&A portions at Comic-Con panels, because this one is all Q&A. Right. Uh, it's just people telling Leonard Moulton that he's wrong about certain things. And they couldn't have started it off better if they tried. And maybe they did try, because <laughs> the first person up was a guy who had a whole pre-written thing about Leonard Moulton not liking Godzilla movies. And it was like really eloquent and funny. Uh, and he read this whole thing and then like ended with like, Mr. Malton, leave Godzilla alone. And Malton replied, uh, I'll leave Godzilla alone if he'll do the same. And it was just like, it was so fun and funny and like such a great kickoff to a super fun panel. Yeah. He had a good, uh, one of the people who went up poked at him about, Terminator 2 and Terminator 2 being, you know, the one like he rated Terminator 2 lower than term, the first Terminator and that and that, you know, he really thought that the that it didn't, you know, have the same kind of um like hunger that the first movie had as like I think is how he was describing it. But then like the person I pointed out I don't disagree with him by the way. I mean, I I like I like T2 more than I used to because I like spectacle more than I used to, but I've always kind of preferred the Terminator. I I'm totally with you. Uh but <laughs> then they pointed out that like he had rated Terminator 3 and 4 higher than terminator <laughs> 2 and that's what i was like um, wait a second which one is four is that genesis or salvation i can't even keep them all straight because I, I never saw after three i never saw um, i think it's salvation i think it's okay. the one it, with christian bale right yeah oh right in the rant yeah yeah okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh i will this is this they didn't go into this on the panel i've always thought rise of the machines was kind of underrated like i think it's one of those things where it's like i when it comes to franchises i rarely get like super invested in the franchise so if something is like a change of pace you know just like with star wars with whether you're you hate last jedi or you hate rise of skywalker or both like i kind of like both those movies because i'm not that invested in star wars i just like like having a good time and so i do think rise of the machines is a fun a fun movie jonathan mosto has some really great set pieces especially the the fire truck car chase i think is badass um the part where the lady t2 makes her tits bigger is dumb that's very (laughs) dumb i'm not gonna deny um also, wait, like having a bummer ending in a big summer blockbuster was uh, was fun. But anyway, there was like no T3 talk, but this was me wanting to talk about just right now, just wanting to talk about how I've always kind of liked Rise of the Machines. Yeah. 
he uh, I feel like I feel like there were several moments this time around and I and maybe maybe this is this happens every year because I don't remember but he he definitely felt like oh yeah I should go back and maybe revisit something because someone brought up like um the thing as a thing as a, a movie that he had you know like given like two stars to or something at the time yeah, but he's yeah. like oh yeah you know like that's that, that's a movie that deserves uh maybe a, re- a reevaluation I think from him and yeah he what, uh what? There no, was one. There were, well, there, well I, I, maybe the, maybe we are about to say the same thing, but like there was a moment when someone came up and was like, "Oh, we uh, read your." Well, actually, maybe this is two separate things. So what I was going to say was like he did talk about how he will go back and like in his in his revising or in his like uh, every year when when the new volume comes out and yeah. it's like oh, I have to I need to like add a line to some of the ones where it's like this one is highly regarded or something. He yeah. he, has, he has some like you know a yeah. few quotes where he'll just add to a movie. It has say, its like, defenders or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what was. What was the movie that Jesse, if we're sticking with that as our name, the movie she liked as a kid? It was like a late '80s, early '90s movie that he like added half a star to, like for her. It was a sweet story, but I can't remember what the movie was now. Uh, I don't remember either. There was a. Fun- she's like our age, so it's oh, like yeah. something from when we were kids. Totally. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I want. Uh, you had more to say. Well, there was a fun one of the one of the people came Hello? up talked about how uh, they were like they, they were kind of raised by their parents like to you know if if it had a good review then they would watch it in there and then he would and then they like later found like oh wait some of these movies that he gave poor reviews to were actually like great movies and i, I can't remember which one it was maybe it was like the shining or something but it was everything was the one that he was like yeah it was the shining that he like that he didn't see until like like young adulthood because yeah. it, Leonard Moulton had given it a bad review, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think Leonard Moulton's a horror a horror guy because he yeah. also liked the first Alien. He didn't uh, he didn't like. Um, but uh, what I was going to say the the left turn I didn't see the panel taking was speaking of the Terminator. Uh, Leonard Moulton met Harlan Ellison at the press oh, screening of the right. Terminator. That was a good Harlan story. Ellison had, yeah. yeah, Harlan Ellison had like uh, uh, gotten his way into the press screening because he'd heard that they ripped off one of his uh, Outer Limits. Right? Uh, was it Outer Limits? Right. Well, it was like Outer Limits uh, and Star Trek things that that he had right. written. Where like they pulled um, from kind of both of those. Yeah. And so he was like, they met before. The, the screening he was like yeah i'm here because i Ellen ellison's like yeah i'm here because they uh, uh i hear they ripped off my story and and like uh apparently Harlan ellison just like harumped through the entire movie <laughs> um but the surprising thing that i didn't know is that leonard malton then became like lifelong good friends with harlan ellison and even jesse if that is her name um i could just look it up that, that is her name keep saying that <laughs> um so what, what's that that is her name. Uh, okay, Jesse told the story about how she remembers like Harlan Ellison as a girl, and how he like was always around and like got her. I, I'm I'm saying the word like a lot, but got her to stop saying like like a Valley Girl uh, right. because he hated it. Uh, but also Leonard Malton uh, told the story of when he had he had surgery, and the surgery recovery required that for like a week he had to basically like lie down flat on his stomach almost all the time. And Harlan Ellison would just like come over and read to him to yeah. like keep him company. It's so, I mean, obviously 
Harlan Ellison is a problematic figure and Jesse Moulton like addressed that and, and uh but like was clearly a good friend to the Moulton family. Totally. Uh yeah, that was surprising. That was cool. Uh yeah, and then that was my last panel. Yeah, same. I don't we didn't do anything else after that. That's when we took off from home. You headed back? Yeah. So I did uh this is my night of party hopping. I, I, I have a tendency to like <laughs> say yes to anything that gets me like free booze, you know? And my, this is the day my wife came in town. She, uh, so the, the first two days, um, Wednesday and Thursday, and most of Friday, I was alone Friday evening. She joined me. So first I had a, uh, I had RCP to, it started at 6 PM. So it's not even really a party. It was like a happy hour. Essentially, uh, the den of geek was throwing at, um, a brewery, which was further into the East village part of San Diego than I'd ever been. Uh, so that was a cool walk to, to get over there. Uh, but it turned out that the results of like a lot of crypto people there. And a lot of people were talking to me about crypto. They're all really nice, but they're all like really into crypto. Um, but anyway, I got a free beer and then uh, a couple of free beers. They, they had actually like um, gala games and this brewery mission brewery had like collaborated on a few sp- specific San Diego, San Diego comic-con brews. So I had like a pale ale and an IPA um, that were really good. So yeah, mission brewery seems like a cool, a cool place. Uh, then I hopped in a lift and went to a party for Neopets because I got an invite, um, ran into, uh, uh, someone I know Rama, uh, from a fellow member of the Hollywood critics association, uh, ran into there and Natalie joined me for that and went up and got free drink. But it was like, this was also like, um, it was a party, but it was also like clearly for like it's Neopets, it's for kids, and there were people there with their families. But the cool part of that is they had a ton of like like arcade or or type games. Like we Natalie and I played skee ball, which Natalie's always really good at. We played the little like the basketball game, like like they have at a Chuck E. Cheese or a Dave and Buster's or a thing like that, and had like they had free ton, tons of free food. They had different like free food stations all over the place, and like I said, a couple uh, well. The pass only got you one free drink a person. Natalie and I are very charming. We got two free drinks. <laughs> We're very charming. We figured it out. Um, but then we bounced early, uh, which means, unfortunately, we apparently missed the pre-recorded video message from John Legend uh, to the entire party about how he and his family love Neopets. Um, and we went to a party way out on... Um, uh, is it called Shelter Island? You're the San Diego, is that? The, oh, right. Yeah, Shelter Island. Uh, yeah, I went to a party um, out there at a, a, a fancy Thai restaurant right on the water called Bally High, and that also had free food and 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 drinks. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, that was a super fun time. I just I'd never been out to Shelter Island. It was cool to see the see downtown from the other side of the bay, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and uh meet some some friends there was a guy not friends make some friends because again uh, especially natalie and I, especially natalie but we're, we're very charming um but yeah we met we made friends with a guy who um is a screenwriter who was obviously on strike but has gotten into writing comic books as well um independent comic books as well so we um chatted with him and and his uh and his friend who i think is 
I think he was there with the artist that he works with a woman who is from San Diego. Uh, we talked about Donna Jean, which is a vegan restaurant from San Diego that just recently opened here in the San Fernando Valley and is really good. And, uh, when we were like, Oh, you're from San Diego. Have you been to Donna Jean? And she like lit up like, yes, Donna Jean's great. And it is really good. Um, yeah. So that we party hopped and then we ended up meeting that. So that friend that I had before that I didn't even know was in town, uh, we ended up meeting him and his friends for drinks. And once again, had a late raucous night, uh, smoking a cigarette outside this, the star bar, uh, in the gas lamp. I met a dude who was staying at a hostel in the gas lamp who was like, yeah, I'm here for two weeks visiting my family. Like I didn't know when I booked it, it's comic-con, but like, uh, it's a ton of fun. And that's, that's happened before. Cause I used to stay at hostel um now i stay at a hotel but out in mission valley so it's cheaper but i used to stay at uh, a hostel and occasionally yeah you would meet people there who were like not there for comic-con just like you know passing through or, or whatever um and that seems so surreal to be uh in the midst of it and uh not have intended to be there but they, yeah so that was my friday i just talked a lot uh, how did you kick off your saturday so Saturday was a big uh, choice for me to f- figure out what did I want to do. So like Saturday morning, there were like three panels that I had to choose from. Um, there was the Futurama panel in Ballroom 20, which was going to be for the new series that just launched on Hulu. Um, or this the Lotta Reiniger panel that I talked about in our preview episode, um, just about the the director. Um, but one that I didn't mention in the pan in the uh, preview episode that I later realized was one that was the one that I was most excited about was to see the new short film and panel about um, the uh, Disney animator Andreas Deja. He made a short film called Mushka, and it's a animated film about a, a woman in Russia and uh, her tiger, and it was awesome. It was beautiful and um deja has been you know he's worked on you know iconic disney movies like beauty and the beast and aladdin and like a lot of the stuff in like the late 80s early 90s um and so if you look him up you'll see like oh he's done everything and but basically for the past i feel like 10 20 years he's been working on this movie uh and i've and in that time i've been following his blog um you know and just seeing like he'll usually post pretty neat like old sketches from movies that he's worked on or sketches that he's kind of unearthed from the disney archives and um but then he's also posted you know updates to this short film that he's been working on and it was just really it was really awesome to see this finally come together as like a final finished product with like a beautiful score and just incredible animation and then you know he brought up um the composer of the the music and then as well as like some of the other folks who worked on the animation and producers of the film and they were all just it was just a really heartwarming sweet panel i feel like it was the i feel like it was the right choice to go to for, for me to start uh saturday morning uh i didn't mention that on friday i didn't go i didn't get into the bold voices of contemporary horror panel because there was some like arkham game panel like two panels later that people were camping out for and i just couldn't couldn't get in uh unfortunately so yeah saturday um i kicked off again with a kind of accidental panel but ended up being really interesting so a lot of panels that were supposed to have stars on them got canceled 
but um, the TV Guide fan favorites panel pivoted to having TV Guide and other sort of like pop culture journalists talk about covering fandom and so it was like they had questions like what's you know what's the most hate you've gotten for writing something or like what's um your favorite like whatever it was just like a it was kind of i I couldn't tell you any of the people's names unfortunately um but it was kind of a a a cool perspective and a cool way to pivot from not having the stars there is to to have the people who cover the stars (laughs) talk about them uh Anyway, so the, but that was I, I that was in Baldwin twenty, and I sat through it because I wanted to go to Spike and Mike's All Ages Festival of Animation, not the second Twisted, but also don't like get it twisted. All Ages doesn't mean that it's like kids stuff. Like it's definitely not. It was like a lot of the stuff was pretty violent, <laughs> um, uh, and some of it definitely had some of the sophomoric humor. But uh, I think. Calling this the All Ages Festival goes to show how seriously they take the Sick and Twisted Festival, that it is like really often really fucked up stuff. But uh, so this wasn't, like I said, I didn't get to go to the animation show of shows, which I would have preferred because they focus on new stuff. You know, this, the newest short they showed, I think was 2016. Um, they started off with a couple of um, Craig McCracken's no neck Joe shorts, which I've seen before, but then they showed a bunch of stuff I hadn't seen. Um, uh, yeah, a really cool one, um, called grandma's hero, which is about like a, uh, a sort of medieval knight um, going out to like vanquish things, but his grandma comes with him and like keeps besting like dragons and baddies by just giving them free cookies. And he gets like frustrated because he wants to kill stuff. Um, and it was entirely wordless. Uh, speaking of entirely wordless, there's another one, um, 1990, a French one called Cavalette, which I guess transfer translates to grasshoppers, which kind of like tells the entire history of humanity through war. It's basically like, it's kind of like darkly comedic. It's just basically like, the history of humanity is people fighting one another. Uh, there were a couple bad ones that I won't mention. I mean, there was one that was called life smartphone. That was like, um, uh, I think it's Chinese. Um, and it's basically like, it's like, Oh, people like walk around looking at their phones the whole time. And like, it was really trite, but also I mentioned the violence, like a lot of, things that happen when people walk around looking at phones, they end up like getting killed or getting other people killed. And it was like, it, it made up for its triteness with being like, um, uh, inventively violent. And then, yeah, there are some more, uh, Captain Awesome, Key Lamb Pie. And then the one I really like, really liked, which I thought like, Oh, they are doing a kid's one. Uh, it's one from 2013, um, an Irish movie, um, Yoan Duffy is the director. It's called the missing scarf and it's narrated by George Takei. And it's about a, um, no, a beaver who loses his scarf and goes walking through the forest, asking all the different animals if they've seen his scarf. And so it starts out as being like very much for kids and it never becomes like not kid friendly, but as his questions of these animals go on, they become more and more, existential and like about the worthiness of life itself and the purpose of us being here and what we mean to one another and do to one. Like that was definitely my favorite of the, of the, the 
the hour of of stuff they showed was the missing scar from 2013 um but i've talked too much about this one panel that you you didn't go to also yeah Sp- spike himself came out and introduced it um and pointed out that spike and mike have been at it for 45 years good for them uh I that was it for me I tried getting so last in the preview episode we talked about the the my neighbor Totoro panel where this the one of the producers uh, from Studio Ghibli or he's not a producer he's a production coordinator from Studio okay. Ghibli uh, for like their early years and I can't remember now if he's worked if he still works with them but basically he's just a little uh, bundle of trivia and uh, art you know original art that uh from that era and so it's last the last year's panel was amazing and he brought all this like hand-drawn stuff from miyazaki and mm-hmm. uh and so it was it was fun to see and so this year i really wanted to go um, but unfortunately comic-con put the, them in like the smallest room uh room nine which is just like it was tiny and i got there an hour and a half early to get in line and uh, I still didn't get in <laughs> and wow. it, uh, the, the line wrapped and I, and I honestly thought I was going to because of how long the line got behind me, but they seriously underestimated the draw of this one guy and uh, Comic-Con. If you are listening to this podcast, please next year, give them uh, a bigger room because that was ridiculous. Um. Did you do anything else before we met for dinner? I did one other thing. I did one other thing too. I went to yeah, the uh, the history of cartoon voices. Another oh, Jerry God. Beck, Leonard Maltin uh, panel with Mark Evanier and uh, this uh, this voice actor, impressionist, animation historian uh, Keith Scott. He uh, also from Australia, but he got up to talk about a book, uh, like a, a book that he's been working on, and I can't remember now if it's like a a two volume one, but he's been writing about like basically like you know animation credits uh in in film like voice actors and like it's almost like an encyclopedia of of voice actors from older animation you know going all the way back into like the 20s and he talked a lot just about the history of that and would talk about how how hard it is to research some things like this and how people will or you know at the like in they often wouldn't credit people um or they would credit people incorrectly or they would credit people with like a name that they never really went by um or like Mm -hmm. they would it was it was wild to hear him talk about like how he had to research this and he even went so far as to like look at like the old uh, like time cards for actors to see like what were they in or like did they punch in for this for this movie because like they they didn't have any credits listed so they had to like go see like was this person even on set this at this time and um it was it was so cool and he and this guy i i don't think i've seen him in a panel before but he is just an incredible impressionist and he was able to just like on a whim and he has this like thick australian accent but then just like on a dime he'll just turn and like start speaking like you know, Bugs Bunny or Porky Pig or whatever, or just like doing some, uh, you know, he can like do a person doing a voice, you know, like that kind of thing. And, um, it was cool. It was, and it was fun to have like Leonard Malton and Jerry Beck there because they're all, and, and Mark, Evanier, they're all just like, you know, animation nerds. And so they all yeah. just, it was fun to just, you know, hear them all geek out about this stuff. Uh, all right. So I, when I left 
after um the spike and mike i i walked the floor again just to just to do it again but also kind of cut through uh i did have i did see a witness a funny thing i was walking near the one of the concession stands on the floor um and i heard in this order snap motherfucker <laughs> and i looked down and the guy walking past me the other way had stepped on a stray mayonnaise packet which popped and sprayed mayonnaise all over his leg. <laughs> and that's like, it could have been me. I mean, it was so close to me. It happened right next to me. Um, poor guy. Anyway. So um, yeah, then I cut through the back because every year on Saturday during the afternoon, I take a little time. And I've done this for like 10 years, take a little time to watch the dudes in medieval armor who are uh, fighting with swords outside. Yeah. Those guys are, uh, th- th- those people are awesome out there and it's always yeah, fun. It's awesome. Yeah. And this was a really humid year. And I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before, because one year I overheard someone when I was watching, I overheard someone ask, like, aren't you guys like boiling in these are like the armor? And the guy was like, No, I'm where they they wear these like body suits that you like put ice water in. And he was like, This was like years ago, but it was another hot year. And I remember the guy being like, No, I'm actually kind of cold. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, good. Uh, it's good to know that they're not sweltering in in the armor uh, uh, under there. But yeah, so I watched some of them. Then I went and uh, revisited my favorite bar from last year. So last year at Comic Con, I was being super COVID conscious, as we talked about two years ago, uh, two weeks ago. I mean, um, and so I didn't want to drink at bars unless they had an outdoor element which meant meant the main bar that i went to was the deck at moonshine flats which is like an outdoor bar Uh, and i was like i should go you know uh pay my respects to my old friend the deck at moonshine flats uh so i sat there and waited for natalie to come down and join me and then she and i went to our last sort of party type event or lounge i guess officially is how it's credited the uh the nat geo lounge which is on the rooftop of what has now become the margaritaville hotel uh, um and uh every year nat geo seems like they're pushing a different uh program on at this party you know uh last year it was uh limitless with chris hemsworth this year they're going all they're all, all in on bear grills i got uh i got a new nat geo bag and a bear grills flat or like water uh bottle flask type thing um made some friends again because natalie and i are so charming and uh i love going to the nat geo uh party um it's not really a party because it's like early it's like well the sun's still up that's why they call it the, the nat geo lounge but it's always fun there's good uh hella free food and, and free drinks and then we met you and went to dinner and we went to drinks that night and then i went home we went both went home right yeah yeah uh i mean it was a i feel like that was that's usually like kind of like the unofficial end of comic-con for us uh, and yeah. then Sunday is usually like i know you don't usually go to do anything on sunday but like i i don't go into the convention center natalie and i okay. do go into the gas lamp for yeah. brunch every year so we went to barley mash which rules i love i love barley mash um because last year i'm gonna throw somebody under the bus even though their food is good the blind burrow which has good mexican food but last year on saturday they or they had a like a sandwich board outside that was like brunch for comic-con brunch saturday and sunday so we were like great we're gonna go to brunch at the blind borough on sunday and we get there and we're looking at the menu like where's the brunch and they were like oh my god we don't normally do brunch yesterday was insane 
So we decided to not do brunch today. Uh, so this year I made sure that Barley Mash was actually doing brunch and we went down there. And for the first time, I think ever in my going to Comic-Con history, it rained on Sunday. That felt, that was, that was kind of awesome. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> no, Sunday for me was um, mostly just wandering around the floor. I didn't end up going to any panels and mostly just trying to see, you know, who, and I, and I found some, I, I ended up going like all the way through the like artist alley area to That's see cool. what, but you know, even, even there, even there where it's like, you know, small artists, it's like, it's so crowded everywhere on the floor. There's no relief <laughs> for us. So you have to just kind yeah. of squeeze through as people are like stopping to, look at something you're kind of just like peeking over their shoulders to see what you can see um one of my favorite like instagram comic artists has been there now for at least a couple years i'm not sure if they went before this but hannah hillam she does kind of like uh you know kind of like simple line drawing lots of uh maybe cats and anxiety comics and uh (laughs) she's uh she's great um but uh it was fun to see her and get some stickers and things um i one of my like since basically since they started going in like 94 i think um giant robot the folks Mm -hmm. who do like they have the stores in la or they have us they have two stores, maybe, maybe one or two. At one time they had two. At one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, they used to have a magazine. That's where things started. And so I had been getting giant robot magazines and shirts from them since 94, basically. And it was just cool. I, they weren't there last year. And I was really worried that maybe like something wasn't going to like, maybe they weren't going to come back to Comic-Con, but they were there this year. And so I like bought a bunch of stuff from them, but they're, those guys are great. And I, um, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of have like grown up w- alongside them and like, or like, it's like, it, you know, there are people that I, that I see at Comic-Con every year that I don't know and have never talked to, but like we have, you know, this is, there's like a connection there because like, I, it's like, Oh, my old friend, this, this retailer who I see once a year, every year. Uh, yeah. it's, it's fun to see those people, even if I never yeah. talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, a quick Google search seems to imply there's just the one store now. Yeah. Well, you should go support them if you're in, uh, that, that neck of LA. Yeah. It's on, it's on Sawtell, which is like yeah. our sort of, uh, our other, cause we have little Tokyo downtown, but saw the Sawtell, that area of Sawtell is kind of like the other little Japan mm-hmm. of, of, of Los Angeles. Anyway, uh, that's it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think so. I guess overall, I mean, again, I thought it was pretty good. Oh, I had a blast. I didn't get COVID. I guess you didn't get COVID either. And uh, I don't, I didn't. Yep, didn't get COVID. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't hear anyone talk about it. And it, yeah. it seemed like there were people who were masking and being, you know, uh, careful about it. And mm-hmm. uh I I thought a lot about it while I was there. I was thinking like, man, I am so close to so many people right now. It's just, yeah. it's, it was so weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I guess I didn't get it, which is, which is good. Um, uh, I had a ton of fun. I mean, I'm like, uh, signs that I'm older now than when I was going to Comic-Con is that like, I, 
I value sleep more. So like, I will miss a panel if I knew like, I'm like, eh, I need sleep. Um, but I also drink less. I mean, that Thursday night was a talk to me party. I did like drink a lot, but, uh, generally I drink less. Um, especially like, I mean, you and I are like, our Saturday nights, we, we ended up, we end up at the same bar we always did, but we don't close it out like we used to, you know? Um, and so like yeah. Sunday I was like, I got a good night's sleep Saturday night and was feeling good on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, yeah, getting older, taking better care of myself, but still, <laughs> still in love with Comic-Con. And I, I am also, I will be a lifer. Uh, I'll never not go to Comic-Con. I know it, it. I I do go th- every year. Go through the emotion uh, emotions of like, oh, do I want to go back next year? Maybe I don't want to go next year. And then like, I talk myself back into it every year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Threads and all and Blue Sky now. Thanks to David and. Uh, you can just find me search for Ryan Gallagher. You can find all the stuff over at criteriancast.com as well. Um, thanks again, David. It's always fun to see you at comic con and to do these yeah. podcasts. It's a real treat. And really? so I, uh, yeah, I'm since 2010. I know that's the year I met you. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll definitely talk next year uh, about comic-con. So um, yeah, you can find me at battleship pretension.com. Uh, Davey pretension on Twitter, Davey pretension on blue sky. Um, David Bax on Letterboxd, all that stuff. Follow Tyler. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. And you want to say it? We'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>